0: Rightio. Well, um, if you're new and visiting this morning for the first time, my name's Brendan. Um, hi. Brendan. hi. <laughs> um, look, if I see a lot. Of, I see quite a few new faces this morning. And look, if you're visiting for the first time this morning, um, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for visiting us. I hope you feel welcome. We would love to meet you. We would love to get to know you more. So feel free to come and say hi. Come down. Um, and maybe even talk to me after the service. We'd just love to meet you. Um, My name is Brendan, as I said. I'm part of the core team here at Sovereign Grace Church. And the core team really is just a group of guys that help Dave to lead the church. Um, We just try and give him our 50 cents for what it's worth. (laughs) Um, We're continuing, we're in the middle of a series on John, on, on John's gospel. And we're up to chapter five this week. We're going to be looking at 5, 1 to 24. So if you've got your Bibles with you, open them up. Um, I'm excited about looking at this passage, actually, because we're really going to be peeling back the surface and getting to know a bit more about our precious Savior, Jesus. But we're not only going to get to know him by seeing him do an amazing miracle, his third sign, but we're going to get to know him because he's going to tell us a bit about himself. Um, So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open them? Chapter 5, John chapter 5. We're starting at verse 1, and we'll be reading through to verse 24, and I'll pray. At the end. John chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, and he said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because... He was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, no, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these He will show Him, so that you you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Let's pray. Lord God, We want to thank you afresh this morning for all your gifts, good gifts to us, and in particular, we want to thank you for the precious gift that you have given to us in your Son Jesus. And Lord, I'm I'm just really aware this morning that in my heart, I, as I open your Word, I desire to be impressive, Lord. But I pray that you would forbid that, Lord, that. Not I would be impressive, but that your son, your precious son who you have given to us would be magnified, would be glorified, would be exalted on high as we understand your word to us. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen. Well, we're a society that are people that love to work, don't we? I mean, I was thinking about this this week and we really hold in esteem things like efficiency, multitasking, uh, athleticism, education, and all of these things take work, don't they? But we're also a society that finds it, I believe, really difficult to rest. In fact, I think we crave rest. A recent study I was reading this week in the Sydney Morning Herald said in Australia, 30% of people surveyed report to being extremely tired or completely exhausted most of the time. And friends, that figure goes up to 40% for adults with dependent children. Completely exhausted most of the time. We are a people that crave rest. In the age, we work hard, don't we? We work hard. We take, we take Long hours of work and the boundaries between working and resting have become mixed together. I mean, you can take your work anywhere you want with you. Now, with phones, email. I I also heard the other day that just this past Christmas holidays, Volkswagen in Germany had to turn off all of their computer servers and close down their email so that their workers wouldn't use email during the Christmas break. We are a society that holds on high work but craves rest. But even when you find the time to physically rest, it's not that easy, is it? I mean, have you noticed that sometimes when you need rest the most, it's the most difficult to find? I mean, all of us can, or many of us, I'm sure, can relate to the long sleepless night of the soul where you're just up all night anxious about something and you can't rest. But I know for all of us, we can relate to a feeling of restlessness, can't we? And uneasiness. And for you, maybe it's, maybe it's in regards to conflict with a friend or relative or a spouse. Maybe it's, maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's when work or study is overwhelming. Maybe it's uncertainty about the future. Maybe it's a deep sense of emptiness and you find yourself wondering, what's the purpose of it all? The result is the same, isn't it? That where we all find ourselves often plagued by anxiety. You need to rest, but you just can't seem to find it. And there is a rest, I put to you, that is more than physical. There is a spiritual rest, a rest of the soul. I'm talking about freedom from whatever disturbs you, or causes you to worry, I'm talking about a deep sense of quietness, of stillness, of peace, rest. Well, you're probably sitting there wondering, Brendan, what on earth does this have to do with the passage that we just read? Well, I'll tell you what, this passage is all about Jesus, it's all about who He is, it's all about His work, and so as we look at these things, I want us to understand how this relates to us, and I specifically want us to, to help draw out and help us to understand how who Jesus is and the work that he's done means that we can find rest so if you're taking notes the one thing that I want you to get from this message I really hope that the Lord helps me to explain clearly is that because of who Jesus is and what he's done you can find rest for your souls the title for this message is uh, find rest in Christ alone I've just got three points Point number one, his nature. Point number two, his work. And point number three, his rest. Well, point number one, his nature. If you open your Bibles uh, to John chapter five, they should still be open. Just quickly a brief note, you'll notice that it jumps from verse three to verse five, and verse four is missing. I just want to quickly say that the reason that verse is missing is because on the most ancient, reliable manuscripts, this verse is missing. Um, we actually can have great assurance that our Bible is accurate and reliable. Um, it's highly accurate, high, highly reliable, and so we're even going to devote a message to this in a couple of months' time. But for this purpose, in fact, people, uh, the, our best guess at what's actually happened here is that a note that a scribe has made in the margin, explaining a detail in the passage, which we'll see, Um, has somehow found its way, slipped into a later manuscript. And so this verse actually appears in some of the old King James Bibles. Um, But for for that reason, it's been left out of ours. Well, let's set the scene. As we've been reading, Jesus has come up from Cana to Jerusalem um, for a festival. It's a Jewish festival. We're not told what sort of festival it is. But one thing we are told is that it's a Sabbath day. It's a day of rest. And he's deliberately gone to the pool that exists by a place in Jerusalem called the Sheep's Gate. Um, And at this pool, in the note that we raised up, uh, that we talked about earlier, it says that an angel of the Lord would come and, in tradition, stir the water, stir up the water in some way. And the tradition held that the first person to, to dive into the pool, to get into the pool when the angel stirred up the water, would be miraculously healed of whatever condition they were suffering from. And so what you have is all of this big throng of people that are gathered around and lying around this pool, all injured and lame and sick, all waiting for this event to happen so they might dive or get lifted and carried first into the pool. And here's this man lying there. He's been an invalid. He's been lame for 38 years. 38 years. And so he's probably old. And Jesus sees him, and he knows him. And out of all the crowd, he comes up to him, and he speaks to him. And he says, in verse 6, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going going down, another steps down before me. It's almost... almost, uh, it's almost amusing. This guy is here sitting by the pool, so focused on being healed and so focused on getting into this water that he doesn't even realize who's speaking to him. In fact, he's got absolutely no idea who's speaking to him. And there's a couple of reasons for this, I think. Part of the reason is, is that this guy in this story is portrayed as a bit of, a, bit of an idiot, um, not too wise, this man. But the other reason is because Jesus is fully man. He is, in many ways, a regular man, just like you and me. And so, as the prophet Isaiah says, he has no form or majesty that we should look upon him, no beauty that we should desire him. He's a regular-looking guy. And so, Jesus is standing before him. This guy doesn't even know that he's offering to heal him. And he has no idea about who Jesus is, who it is that's speaking to him. And this kind of reminds me of an illustration or a story that someone told me uh, not too long ago. I won't say who it is because I don't want to embarrass them, um, but it's Christian. And um, he was, he was e- explaining to me how he used to work for Harvey Norman um, in the city. And Harvey Norman, as you know, it's a big retailer and he'd work at the back in the dockyards. And his responsibility was moving around stock and you know, making sure people get their orders and all this sort of thing. And one day when he's at the back, he sees this man standing there in the dockyard, and he's not wearing any of the fluoro vests or anything. So he comes up to him and says, Hey, mate, how you doing? Uh, can I help you? And the man just looks straight past him and just ignores him. He thought, Oh, gee, that's odd. I'll have another go. So he comes up and he says, Look, you know, mate, have you got any idea? Is, is you know, uh, what are you... What are you uh, I don't think you're meant to be here. And suddenly, one of his mates comes through and shooes him away and grabs him and says, Hey, Christian, um, do you know who you're speaking to? That's Jerry Harvey, the owner of Harvey Norman. <laughs> And the deal is, it's because Jerry Harvey, even though he's a billionaire, he's a guy, he's a regular guy, isn't he? And Christian hadn't met him before, so of course he, he didn't realize who he was that he was speaking to. And in the same way, this paralyzed man, is he's got absolutely no idea who he's speaking to, that he's speaking to Jesus, the God-man. So let's read on. Verse 8. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. I just find that absolutely amazing. I mean, Jesus just speaks to this guy. Get up, take up your mat, and walk. And and the guy's healed in an instant. And the thing I like about this is it's so different from everything else that we read throughout the Bible. Jesus is so different. You read in the Old Testament, all the prophets, they either pray... In the name of the Lord, be healed. Or, or in the New Testament, what do they pray? They pray, In the name of Jesus, be healed. But here Jesus comes, and He looks at the man, and He speaks the words, and this man is healed. Now, I'm a a physio, and I've uh, had the privilege of working with um, some very disabled people. And let me tell you, if you've got paralysis, if you have been paralyzed for 38 years, it's really, it's not pretty. I mean... Your joints contract. Your muscles fade and they die. You become stiff. You get horrible sores. The webbing on your toes often merges together. It's it's often a terrible sight. And Jesus looks at this man. He speaks. And this man is instantly healed. I mean, that is amazing. That is spectacular. He says, get up and walk. And this man gets up. And the reason is, is that Jesus is the God-man, isn't he? He's fully man, but he's fully God at the same time. And so he speaks, and it is. But this isn't just a great story, I think, for us. Um, It's also, I think it's a picture of grace, isn't it? I mean, this guy, he's got no idea who's speaking to him. He doesn't put his faith in Jesus and say, I believe you can heal me, and, and then he's healed. No, Jesus just picks him out of the crowd, comes up to him, and bam, heals him. It's an amazing story. Well, also, um, it's Jesus has, has sought him out and sought to heal him, but there's more than that, isn't it? Jesus is trying to teach us something about himself. We've been learning uh, right through John's Gospel, John twenty thirty one. All these things are written down that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, he's the promised one, and that in believing in him, you might have life in his name. That's what this is all about. In the same way, Jesus has picked this man because he wants to teach us something about himself. So let's read on to find out what that is verse 9. Now, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. It's the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. God had commanded His people right from the very beginning when He made the world in six days and rested on the seventh that the the Sabbath should be a day of rest. And it's it's a great command. It's a good command. But the religious leaders of the day had, in their attempts to interpret it and understand what rest, which should have been rest from your regular work, meant, made all these extra rules. In fact, they made 39 of them. And this guy had carried his mat home and in doing that, did work in their eyes and had broken the Sabbath. More so, Jesus had spoken to him and told him to do it. And he's a rabbi, he's a spiritual teacher. And so, because Jesus was the one who told this guy to do it, Jesus is now culpable in their eyes for breaking the Sabbath. But this isn't an accident. Jesus hasn't just accidentally, oops, he's forgot, healed a guy on the Sabbath. No, Jesus wants to teach us something about himself so let's keep reading verse 12 they asked him who is this man who said to you take up your bed and walk now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place afterwards jesus found him in the temple and he said to him see you are well sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you Jesus has healed this guy and he comes back and he says something really unexpected, doesn't he? Look, you're well. Sin no more lest something worse happen to you. Now, I just want to say Jesus is not saying here that every time someone is sick or ill, that is the result of some specific sin that they have done. Note elsewhere, Jesus heals a man who's been born blind and he says, the reason why this man was born blind is what? To glorify God. So, it's not that Every time someone is ill or suffers, it's due to some specific sin. But in this case, I think the best reading of it is that this man has committed some sin, specific sin, that has resulted in his disability. And we don't know what that is, but the God-man Christ looks at him and sees it and and says to him, sin no more. Either way, I think regardless of how we understand it, the point is, I've healed your body, but you've got a bigger issue. You've got a major sin issue and you've got to face eternal judgment. Sin no more, he says to this man. Sin no more. Be born again from above. Find spiritual new birth. Sin no more. Follow me and let me change you. Sin no more, lest you face something far worse than your sickness. An eternal judgment from me. Well, what's this guy's response? Well, the answer is, there is nothing in this passage to say that this man responds to Jesus, Jesus at all. In fact, what does he do? He simply goes and blabs directly to the Pharisees who are enraged and start looking for him. But let's read verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now. And I am working. My father is working until now. I am working. This, friends, is massive. This is, this is massive. My father is working until now. I am, I am also working. There was a, a big discussion amongst the Jews of Jesus' time, the Jewish leaders. And the discussion was about, well, how can God the almighty God who holds up the whole universe, the giver of life, the sustainer of every living creature. How can this God keep the Sabbath, rest during the Sabbath and the whole world not fall apart? Because if He rests, if He rests like we rest, everything ends. So there must be a sense in which God, the Creator, continues to work even when everyone else ceases to work. And here Jesus comes and He says, just like my Father is working, sustaining everything that there is in the world, giving life to and healing and mending and sovereign over all, just as He's always working and never rests in the sense that we rest, so too I work up until now. That is massive. That is so big. This is, friends, this is a direct claim from Jesus to be God. So after breathing life into a disabled man, Jesus says, I can break the Sabbath if I want because I am like my Father who is always at work in the world, sustaining it and giving it life. Well, what does this have to do with rest? How does this give us rest? Christ like His Father, is always at work, even when all others rest. And so we can rest in that. Sometimes we feel like, don't we? We feel like, like everything is down to us. Sometimes, you know, we feel like the buck stops with me. This situation is hopeless without my intervention. You know, the son or daughter who is, who is constantly disobedient, You know, the friend who, after all your effort, continues to reject Christ. The boss or the manager who continuously overlooks you for that promotion. The husband or wife who is always at war with you or with one another. So what do we do? We become anxious. We become worried deep inside. Deep inside, we become stirred up agitated we become endlessly restless but the one who breathed life into lame legs he is always at work the one through whom the world is sustained day by day he is with you rest your soul in christ he's not too far off you know he is a man just like you but with all the power of god And I think this is something of the sense of David speaking in Psalm 3. In Psalm 3, verse 1, he's surrounded by enemies. All of his enemies surround him and he says, help me, Lord. But then in verse 5, he says, and I think it's beautiful, he says, I lay down and I slept and I awoke again because the Lord sustained me. See, David, he understands, doesn't he, that there is a sovereign ruler, a sustainer of all things, who is present and Lord over all. And so even when he's outnumbered in face of all of his enemies, he can rest because he trusts the hand of a sovereign Lord. Because of his nature, because of who Christ is, we can rest. Secondly, his work. So Jesus has been, or just said that he's working up until now just like his father. Now Jesus looks to unpack that statement that he's just made in the following verses. So let's read from verse 18. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, no, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly truly i say to you the son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does that the son does likewise for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing see jesus works in unison with the father this is the picture of a loving relationship between a son and his father isn't it i mean it's it's like almost like the picture that we see in Jesus as he grows up with his adopted father, Joseph the carpenter, Joseph teaching him the skills of carpentry, Jesus watching and following and learning. But you might be tempted to think that it's a little bit like uh, an adult with a a small dependent child. I mean, this reminds me of uh, some good friends of ours. They have a daughter called Zara, who's, I mean, some of you know her. She's the cutest thing. She's about two years old. And she always comes around to our place. And there's three guys that I live with, and she has a favorite. We all know her favorite. It's not me. It's Paisy, who lives with us. And the thing is, every time you come to our place, it seems we're always doing exercise. Like, um, it's probably a bad fact for this message, but we're always working, right? We're always working out. And, um, <laughs> thanks, Mike. Um, and anyway, she comes to our house and she sees her favorite, Paisy, working out, you know, doing squats and things. And the other day, uh, Zara's mom came to me and showed me that on her phone. She had this little video of Zara back at home. And Zara in this video is doing squats and saying, Paisy, Paisy, and working out. It's the cutest thing. The the sad thing is like Paze takes exercise really seriously and often before he does like a big workout, like he like he's gonna lift a really heavy weight, he'll whack himself and he'll whack himself in the face. And now Zara has started walking around like whacking herself in the face and like it's, it's a little concerning. You might be tempted to think that that's a picture of what's going on here, but friends, it's not. No, this is God the Father in perfect unity with His Son. God the Father who loves His Son, showing Him His Son, the eternal Father, the Son willfully submitting to His Father out of love for Him, equally divine, equally God, the Son, the Father in perfect unity. Well, Why is this important? This is important because it means that when you look at Jesus, you see the Father. And that means that if you want to know about how God the Father feels about you, look at Christ and what an example we see in Christ. Look at Him so quick to be moved to mercy and and heal a man who in turn will not even... It seems, follow him, but goes and blabs about him. Quick to be moved to compassion is Christ and in the same way is our loving Father. You want to know how he feels about you? He is filled with love for you. In Jesus, we see the Father who is always at work and is always merciful. This means that your soul can rest not only in the knowledge that God is always at work, despite your situation but that a merciful God is always at work despite your situation. Well, let's read on. 20b And greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel for As the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Well, greater works than these will the Father show the Son. What are these greater works? Well, Jesus is going to go on to do many great works, but the greatest of these works that He would do is to die on a cross for you. You know, God made the whole world and he made everything that's in it. And he made it and was good. But men turned their back on God and rejected him, even though God had said, reject me and you will die. But God didn't just leave us in our rebellion and sin. He came after us. And he came after us in his son, Jesus, who died in, in your place, an agonizing death for your sin. God's rescue plan for you. And now it says in verse 21 that he offers you life. Well, what does this mean for our rest? It means that you can rest from dead works. You can experience a true Sabbath, a true Sabbath rest, a rest that is completely free from the need to keep the law of God, you know, many of us, many of us, feel a deep sense of no, maybe failure and imperfection. No matter how hard we try and try and try in life, we 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 feel as though we're always messing things up. But the truth that Christ sets us free from works of the law means that, in in, in the eyes of God, because of what He has done for you, your worst day is the same as your best. He sees you and He sees His perfect Son. Rest for us now means no more self-effort. We are free to rest from dead works. Or secondly, you can rest in knowing that you'll be vindicated with Christ. Verse 22 says that God has given judgment to Christ. Why? Verse 23, so that All may honor the Son as they honor the Father. So there's coming a day when when Jesus will return in judgment and He will be vindicated. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord and He will be vindicated and you with Him will also be vindicated. I know there's many people here that following Christ for you has cost you. You have been mocked by your friends and your family who think it's utter foolishness what you have done to give everything you've got for Christ. But friends, there's coming a day when, when you will be vindicated, when Christ will put things right, when you, your faith will be shown to have been true and, and, and the best decision you could ever make because of what Christ has done. So what does that mean for our rest? It means that you can rest from the need for revenge and you can even rest in the face of injustice and shame. Or thirdly, you can rest in the knowledge of life with God beyond the grave. You know, verse 24 says, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, he has eternal life. You can find rest in the knowledge that whatever your circumstance, however great your debt, however much you fail in this life, there is a life to come in Christ. And I think for me, it just it, it's apparent, really apparent, and helpful reminder because I feel like I've you know got grey hair before my time. I'm 27. It shouldn't be. I've got aches and pains that are coming, and I look out amongst you guys and I see that many of you are even worse (laughs) off than than uh, me, particularly um, Dave over here. This bald patch there. I mean, that's just. Um, But seriously, when I think of this, it, it just it just reminds me of the story of my my friend Beck. And Beck was in her mid-twenties. She was engaged to be married to another friend of mine, Tim. And uh, she'd just found work in Canberra and he'd found work in Canberra so they're going to move down to Canberra to start life together. And young couple, fit couple, healthy couple, planning on getting married and Tim, my friend, went down to visit Beck one day in the unit that they had rented out and he knocked on the door and there was no answer. And so he thought, oh, that's odd. So he got out his own set of keys and he let himself in and he found lying on her bed his bride-to-be had died in her sleep. And for, for no apparent reason, a healthy young girl. And this is a tragedy on one level. A tragedy. But on another level, it's not. Because Beck had a deep trust in Christ. And for Beck, this is not the end. There is a hope of a life to come. Beck continues to live and rejoice with the Savior because she trusted in Him. And so for us, friends, we can have a deep rest, knowing, one, regardless of our circumstance, whatever our circumstance, we have life with God to come. You can rest because of Jesus' work. Because of His work, you can rest. Well, thirdly and finally his rest what is the rest that christ offers but more specifically how do we receive it how do we receive this rest well firstly i I want to address people here that know christ already you're a christian and i'm mindful that there's many people here that even though you know christ you you feel often a, a deep sense of restlessness and anxiety you're plagued by anxiety and fears often. Now, I just have one thing to say to you to encourage you, and that is that this rest that comes from Christ, it's, it's yours already. You possess this rest. The issue is that sometimes we don't experience things as they actually are. And I think there's some things that you can do to help you in that, like meditating on some of these truths. But first and foremost, I just want to invite you to, after this service to come down and ask for prayer, that we might pray and ask God that he would help you to experience the rest that has been bought for you in Christ. I mean, I I really need to confess this week, um, I've been restless, experiencing restlessness. I mean, uh, I've been plagued by anxiety and um, just feeling like, the need to be impressive, and so if no one else comes, I'm going to ask the life group leads to come down the front, and they're all going to be praying for me. So, uh, if you want to rescue me, come, yeah, come on down. Then we just we just love to pray for you. Um, honestly, we don't want to embarrass you. We just want to help you. Um, but also, I want to address the second group. I'm I'm just mindful that there are some people sitting here that, in this moment, you just realize that you just. You, you have a deep restlessness in your heart and you don't know Christ. And maybe, maybe you consider yourself religious, maybe you don't. But you're, you're constantly serving for rest and nothing seems to satisfy you. Relationships, holidays, just for a moment, family and work, nothing satisfies the need for rest that you feel. There is a man that lived long before us and he's a lot more wise than me and I've got a quote from him in a a prayer that he said. His name's St. Augustine. He's praying to God and he says, You have created us for yourself and we are restless till we find our rest in you. You have created us for yourself and we are restless till we find our rest in you. Friends, if you're sitting here and you don't know Christ... There is a God who made you and created you and He created you for Himself. And you can can chase after relationships and work and all things of this world, but you will be restless until you find rest in Christ. He made you for Himself. You can find rest in Him. Well, if that's you, you, you need to make Christ your Lord and receive His rest. Rest from dead works, from fear of judgment. And if that's you, I'd also ask you, come down the front at the end of the service so you, we can pray for you. We'd love to meet you and help you. We don't want, we, like I keep saying, we don't want to embarrass you. We just want to serve you and help you. Jesus says, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, you can find rest for your souls. Why don't you join with me in praying. Lord, I I just want to thank you in this moment for freeing us from the need for anxiety. Lord, you are a good God who has provided for us in every way, particularly in your son. Lord, but I just want to pray for in this moment many people who, like myself, uh, just struggle with feeling restless, anxiety and confusion being stirred up and agitated deep inside, Lord. Lord, I ask you that in your kindness, you would grant us the experience of your rest. You would grant us to feel your loving hand, your presence with us, the freedom we have from dead works the freedom that we have in Christ to know that there's hope for us beyond the grave. Lord, I ask that you would help us to experience your deep rest. Lord, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord. Lord, I I just pray that you would show them even in this moment your loving and kind hand that is always with them and the rest that can be found in you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.